Hello, friend. I brought you to the park with me today. And since it's the park, we have some ducks in the background. I hope you don't mind the noise. How in the world are you? I have two scriptures that I would like to share with you today. One is from Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And verse 16, behold, I have engraved you in the palms of my hand. We have a life chat today with a very special guest. Her name is Leah Forney. She is a fellow podcaster, and she's a prolific author. Leah will be sharing some parts of her life story with us. And what she's talking about is abandonment. The hurt that she experienced when she was left purposefully to be raised by her maternal grandmother and aunts. And why did this happen? Let's hear from her. And let's learn some lessons from this story. Welcome to Life in Fake Chats. I am your host. My name is Joy. I need you to do me a favor. If you're new, I need you to know that I am so grateful that you decided to check me out. If you are returning, I am very grateful that you came back. And if you have not subscribed yet, before we begin, go ahead, just press the button and subscribe. Just click it. Also, if you were to press the notification bell, you will know when I upload another video. And in addition to that, go ahead, like the video, and please leave an informative, positive comment that we both can grow from. Thank you, and let's welcome our guest, Leah. Welcome, Leah, to Life and Faith Chats. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for having me. Leah, you have seven books. Kudos to you that you have written and um, you're a podcaster and you're also an attraction coach. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before you start to share? Yeah, so I'm Leah M. Forney. I'm a native of Queens, New York, but I currently reside in Maryland. I'm a seven-time published author, podcast host of Hey Queen Thrive, audience attraction coach, which just simply means I teach other aspiring and new authors how to solidify their message in order to reach their intended audience. Um, I wear many hats. I'm a daughter, a granddaughter, a sister, an aunt of 12, almost 13, <laughs> um, a friend. And then I also work in the field of mental health. So I've been in the field of mental health as a clinician for nine, almost 10 years now. And I was hoping you say that because when I read her profile, I was like, mental health, we need to bring her back on just for mental health. We are here to learn lessons because that's what we do on Life and Faith Chats. Lessons that help us learn the perp our purpose so that we can thrive. Yes, yes. So my my upcoming book is called Daddy's Little Princess, A Personal Journey to Healing Daddy Wounds. Um, 
backstory is I am the daughter of two addicts. So my mom has battled with drug drug addiction since I was two. My dad, he was an alcoholic and in and out of prison since the age of nine. So I grew up being raised by my maternal grandmother and my aunt, um, but really feeling different as a child, feeling really different because I grew up in a suburban part of uh, Queens, New York, where a lot of my friends came from two parent households. They had mom, they had dad, you know, I didn't get to experience a lot of the things my friends got to do like daddy daughter dances because my father wasn't around. I had a grandfather, you know, and my grandparents were married for about 25 years before they decided to separate. So the, the absence of a father figure in my life weighed heavily on me. Um, and so how daddy's little princess came about is I, I'm, I pray about everything. So I knew there was more in me and I said, okay, God, what's the next book to write about? And he kept nudging me about my father and I was trying to avoid it. I kid you no lie. <laughs> I was like, eh, we could talk about everybody else. Why we got to talk about my dad? And what God said to me is you can't talk about one side of the story and not talk about the other. Because a lot of my books talk about those mother wounds and me healing from my absent mother um, and the struggles I had with learning how to love my mom, despite who she was. Um, and so when he nudged me about my father, he took me down the path of really showing me how my father's absence and the type of father he was really affected the way I interacted with men, how it affected my relationships. Um, but it also showed me how much me and my father had in common. And so I've been on this journey and this path of really healing mother and father wounds. And I think a lot of us have those parental wounds that we don't even realize really play a role in how we interact with other people. Wow. Wow. Well, what are some of the things you learned? Are you willing to share that? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I learned, um, my father was the kind of man where he threw money at everything. He wasn't emotionally available. He wasn't the type of person that really told you he loved you or was affectionate. His way of being a father was, let me buy you something. So he was the guy that came around, you know, put money in my, me and my sister's pockets, made sure we had our hair done. Like, you know, Christmas did it big, <laughs> you know, all these gifts that we didn't even ask for. Like he was that guy and he missed the mark because really what we wanted was the emotional piece. We just wanted his love and his affection. And so what God had revealed to me was that I dated a lot of men that did that. I dated a lot of men that financed me, but couldn't meet me emotionally. And what he showed me was you know, while finances may be good, when when we settle in that, it's almost like we have to turn a blind eye to what they're really doing. So my father was like, okay, I'm going to give you this money. I'm going to do all of this, but you can't come talk to me about my alcoholism. You can't talk to me about, you know, the different women I'm dealing with. Like you're supposed to p- turn a blind eye to that because I'm paying you. And that was the revelation that God showed me. And I was like, wow, that is so deep because I dated so many men that financially took care of me, but they weren't good men. They were cheating. They were abusive. They were all these things. And and he showed me that correlation between who my father was and the type of men that I attracted. Well, I know the book is about him, 
Mm-hmm. But to go back, you talked about learning how to forgive your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, any steps on forgiveness or how you work that out? And were you able to use those same steps? I'm now going with you as a clinician and mm-hmm. as the daughter. Were you able to use those steps for forgiveness? Yeah. You know, I tell people, for me, healing happens in three ways. Um, and I say, I tell people healing, when you're healing, you see differently, you do differently, and you hear differently, right? And so what does that look like? When you're healing, for me, um, I began to see my mother not as my mother, but as another woman struggling through life. I began to um, hear my mother, not from the place of the inner little girl who's broken and feeling abandoned and feeling rejected, but began to hear her as, again, that woman who's just like, I, you know, I had all these kids. I really don't know what I was supposed to be doing. I don't know what uh, motherhood looked like. I had no guidance. I had no direction. Um, and then because I, I, as I was healing, I began to have different uh relationship with my mother because she she's always going to be my mother she was the one that but my relationship changed when I just started seeing her as a woman and and really coming to terms with my mom had six kids she gave us all up for adoption and having to come what where the forgiveness came in was coming to terms that she really did do the best that she could Mm. and I think that's so hard to believe in the moment because you're you're like but you abandoned me, but you hurt me, but I feel rejected. Right. But I think the biggest strength, um, which helped me forgive my mother was realizing that she recognized her own weakness. She recognized her own incapabilities and loved her children enough to -hmm. say, I can't do this. Now, I don't have kids, but I can't even imagine as a mother, as a woman, having to really make that decision that I, I can't do this. I don't have the capabilities of doing things. So so before I ruin my kid's life, let me get somebody else to step into place and raise them. Um, and when I came to that realization, it really helped me to let my mother off the hook. It really helped me to realize wow, that's probably the greatest sacrifice and the greatest, to me, the greatest example of love when you really realize I can't even do it. So let me help somebody else or let me pass, not really pass the butt, but let me get somebody who can do it because my children deserve better. And it took a long time to get there because I was the, and I still am, I was the daughter of, of my mom who good, bad, ugly, and different. She my mama. <laughs> like I'm riding with her to the wheels fall off. But what happened in, in at some point is I had to begin to place boundaries mm-hmm. with my mother um, because my mother was the type of person like she'll go on her drug binge, she'll do what she does. Three months go by and then she calling me. Now she thinks she's gonna die and there's a whole you know. And it was like I was on this roller coaster of emotions all the time. And I remember praying and I kept saying, God, I just want to be her daughter. Like, I don't want to have to, to mother my mother because that's what it was feeling like. Um, and then God said, so be honest with her. Be honest with her. Tell her that. And when I made the decision to say, mom, I just want to be your daughter. 
I don't want to mother you. I don't want to have to feel like I'm advocating for you. I don't want to have to feel like I got to force you to make decisions. Like this is your life. Let me just be the daughter. And I take the hat off of being your mom. About how old were you? Oh, this was recently, probably about two years ago. I really got to that place because prior to that, every time she called, I, I can't, I can't run it. I didn't care where I was, you know, what, what I was doing. My mama needed me and I had to go, you know, and, and, but that wasn't, that was draining me (laughs) mentally, emotionally, even physically jumping up, getting on the road, driving to New York, doing all to go after somebody that, um, will continue this pattern until she decides she doesn't want to do it anymore. And so that was kind of the journey I took to really forgiving her. But then the other piece to my forgiveness was forgiving myself, forgiving myself for the conflicting feelings, because I'll be honest, I had a love hate relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. I loved her because biologically she is the reason why I'm here, but I hated who she was. I hated what she did. I hated the life that she chose. Um, And so I had to come to the realization that one, my feelings were valid, right? But then also forgiving myself um, for holding that against her and harboring that. Um, And that really looked like me just crying out to God one day and said, God, I don't want to hate my mom. I don't, I don't want to hate her. Show me how to love her show me how to grant her grace, show me how to grant her mercy in moments where do I feel like she deserves it? No. But then every time I say that God says, and how many times have you done something you should have gotten another outcome, but yet (laughs) I gave you grace. I gave you mercy. Um, And so that, that was my forgiveness journey. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you, and in terms of with the struggles, I'm thinking about children, mm-hmm. um, trying to balance that, because that's a lot. But I'm also thinking, and I'm going to project on you, did that bring you a lot of shame as a child, even though you were with loving grandparents? Absolutely. Absolutely, it did. And, it, and it's funny, because even with loving grandparents, me and my grandmother and my aunt, we feuded a lot because while I knew that they were in my life to take care of me and provide me all the things that my parents couldn't, there was nothing like my parents. I still had that void, even though my grandparents were there, my aunt was there, they loved me unconditionally. I still had the void of my mother and father. And honestly, that's how writing became a part of my life because because of my shame, I created stories about my parents. So that's literally the journey to now being a published author is at a young age, I would sit down and just write. And my grandma still tells me to this day, she's like, I always remember you just being in the corner writing something. I'm like, what is this girl writing? But that never knowing that (laughs) all these years later, I would be a published author. God knew I didn't, but (laughs) That was the beginning. So I literally took my pen and paper and created a fictional fantasy parents. And so that was, and it was that, those stories that when people would ask me about my mom and dad, I'm like, oh, my dad's a CIA agent. He travels all the time. My mom, you know, like I came up with these elaborate stories to hide my shame of the fact that I was born 
you know, to, to uh, um, addicts. I I want to hear more about these characters that you created and mm-hmm. in, in your stories, and then get back to your dad. Said the characters you kind of invented them to help you thrive as mm-hmm. you dealt with the feeling of abandonment from your mm-hmm. parents. Could you please tell us about your books? Yeah. So. Um, Prior to becoming a published author, yeah, I used to create stories about my parents and that I created a fantasy father. And actually in my upcoming book, Daddy's Little Princess, I actually talk about that. And I talk about the the fantasy father versus the reality of who my dad really was. Um, but because I grew up in, in a in an area where a lot of my friends were two-parent households, they had mom and dad, I was like the outcast, right? So when people would ask me, well, who's your dad? You know, I would tell them, you know, oh, he's a CIA agent. He travels all the time, you know, or people would ask, well, what about your mom? Oh, she's a nurse. She works a whole lot. Like I came up with all these stories. Now at a young age, I probably had to keep track of the stories I was telling. So people wouldn't realize or catch on to what was happening. Um, But that was like the, the beginning of Leah and Forney, the author, because I I created these stories. Um, but as an author, I'm a nonfiction author. So all my books, I draw from personal experiences. And I started this journey four years ago uh, with my very first book, Unapologetically Me, which really takes you on the journey and the story about me and my mom. And the, the way God, again, began to reveal those mother wounds. And so the backstory is my mom had to come live with me. I was living in the state of North Carolina at the time. And I got a phone call from a hospital in New York. And they're like, basically, hey, if you don't come get your mother, she's going to die. That was like what they said in a nutshell. So I remember saying to God, I was still very young in my my walk in Christianity. And I remember saying to God, I said, okay, God, if you really want me to go get my mother, you'll make the way. You'll make the provision because, look, you know what's in my bank account. Like, you will make the way. And when I tell you within 24 hours, he made the way. I mean, people came out of nowhere and was like, God told me to bless you with something. Like, money showed up. Like, he really made the provision. So I went and got my mom, and she was in bad shape. She was in really, really bad shape. And I remember on the drive back, um, just crying out to God and saying, God, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, how do you expect me to uh, really take care of my mother? And what he said to me was that it was not in his, not in my might, but in his, not in my strength, but in his. And I said, God, I get that. But still, like, what is the purpose of this? And he always, every time I ask him that question, he always brings me back to Jeremiah 29 and 11 which lets me know that he knows the plans <laughs> that he has for me, right? Plans to prosper me, plans to give me an expected end. And so I said, okay, God, I'm just going to surrender. So I got my my mom down to North Carolina. I had to get her through detox. I had to go to the hospital. Mind you, at the same time, I'm working a full-time job. <laughs> I'm in school and I'm like... I don't know how I'm going to do this. But again, God kept, every time I said, I didn't know how I was going to do this, God gave me the strength to do it. And so. I'm so sorry. Just in case we have a friend that's listening and doesn't know. Do you mind saying why she was in bad? bad 
So she had been doing drugs. Um, her drug of choice has always been crack cocaine since I was two. So my mom had lived a life on the streets, in and out of different shelters, in and out of uh, different halfway houses. And so by the she would always find the hospital always seemed to be her place of refuge when she felt like she just could not do it anymore. She would run to the hospital. So, and the hospitals knew my number. They still know my number to this day. So anytime that she stepped foot in the hospital, they would call me. Um, so when I got her to North Carolina, started to help her, uh, that was when the feelings and the emotions of all this abandonment and rejection and hatred started to bubble to the surface. Like it got so bad that like the sound of my mother's voice would cause me to cringe. And I remember saying, God, what is this about? Like, this is my mother. And what he said to me was, that's because you've been avoiding it. Cause see, as long as she was at a distance, you could deal with her. But now she's in your face every day. And what God showed me in that moment was my mother was like a mirror for me. God was showing me all my brokenness mm. through my mother, but he was also showing me how my life could be if I don't deal with my brokenness. Wow. And so unapologetically me was kind of the start of the journey um, to <laughs> seven books later, but I wrote that book because I really wanted people to know that they weren't alone. And what was beautiful about that book is that I had so many women that had those same similar mommy issues, similar mother wounds say to me, thank you for writing this book. Cause I too had a love hate relationship with my mom. And I thought I was crazy. I thought it was absolutely wrong for me to hate my mother and like, and love her at the same time until I read your book. And that was the beginning of me knowing the power of my words but not only the power of my words, the power of my testimony and the reason why we have to tell people what we've been through, because it's not even about us. It's about somebody else getting the healing that they need. Before I ask you if your mother has ever, your mother is still alive. Mm -hmm. Before I ask if she's ever apologized to you, mm. I would like to know what gave you this faith? Because I'm listening to you walk out an intimate relationship, just talking and reaching out to God. And your mother didn't introduce, well, I'm yeah. assuming she didn't introduce God to you and your father didn't. So who introduced you? How do you have this personal relationship? With my grandmother, my grandmother, Noah Mays, she is instrumental for my relationship with God. She would take me and my siblings to church at a very young age. And I'll tell you this, she took me, she would take us to church probably up until the age of 17. And I never forget it, Miss Joy, because when I got to the age of 17, she said to me, okay, I'm not going to force you to go to church no more. He now has to become your God because you've been riding on me and his relationship. So now you have to have a relationship with him. And so from 17 to probably, I'll say 23 years old, I kind of did my own thing. I was like, cool, I ain't got to go to church. I'm about to go have fun, hang out with my friends, you know, kind of fit in. Mm -hmm. And then 23 years old, I get into a domestic violence relationship. And I, I mean, super abusive. And the last night that that man decided he was going to come home and beat me, uh, I remember barricading myself into our bedroom when bedroom 
and literally cried out. I said, God, if you get me up out of this, I promise you with all my heart and all my being, I will serve you. 23 years old. And the next day, that man said, get out. And I had the biggest smile on my face because I knew that that was God's way of escape. He's like, you asked. I've been waiting for you to cry out. You asked. So I got my stuff. I moved back home. And from that day, I have lived my life to serve him. Wow. You wrote about that? I did. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's go. Which which book? So we have unapologetically me. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you want to talk about any other one? Friend, as always, we had such an informative, enlightening conversation. Thank you, Leah, so much for sharing with us. And friend, you've got to come back. And when will part two be uploaded? Next week. Next week, same time, same place. Leah shares another traumatic, tragic loss. And she also shares how the Lord led her and is still leading her through it. Friend, thank you for joining me. I'm so grateful. Thank you for the opportunity where I get to share I get to share life and faith chats with you. It's been a blessing. Peace.